0: we read the story of Zacchaeus a moment ago everybody it seems like knows the story of Zacchaeus a tax collector a crooked tax collector a rich tax collector a short tax collector he heard that Jesus was coming he wanted to see Jesus so he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he was short of stature or we would call him vertically challenged in today's world to be politically correct but he climbed up in this tree and Jesus came to the very tree that Zacchaeus was and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going home with you today. And uh, we've all heard Sunday school lessons about Zacchaeus. We've all heard sermons about Zacchaeus. We've all seen flannel about Zacchaeus. We've all sung songs about Zacchaeus. And it's a very, very familiar story. So I, I want to tell you what brought me to this story this morning. Uh, I go down to my mom's, most of you know, on Monday and Tuesday, and I I try to get my walking in, and I walk past an elementary school. And this particular morning, I was walking past this elementary school, and they were having recess. And there were four or five kids off to the side, and and, uh, a couple of them were chanting that chant that children sometimes do. uh, Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And sure enough, there was a couple kids following them. They weren't really crying, but they were, uh, you could tell that they had lost something. And I got to thinking about that little saying finders, keepers, losers, weepers. It's really sort of a heartless saying because usually the finders found something that the losers lost. And rather than give it back, they're going to keep it, which causes the losers to weep. And so if you think about it, it's not really a very pleasant kind of thing, but it got me to thinking about about Zacchaeus, and you'll understand in just a minute why. I I, want to speak to you about Zacchaeus this morning. I know it's a familiar story. I know you could tell it as well as I could. But I want to make four points this morning that go along with that little thing that these kids were saying, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Number one, I want to tell you, Jesus is a finder. In the story of Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus, but Zacchaeus did not do the finding. Jesus did the finding. Uh, I don't know if maybe there were other short people up in trees that day. I don't know if there were other people that wanted to see Jesus that day that had taken vantage point on different places around where Jesus uh, was going to walk and where he was going to pass by. But I do know this. Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was. And that day, Jesus came looking for Zacchaeus. We read a moment ago (coughs) that Zacchaeus came down and received him joyfully. In fact, I sort of think that Zacchaeus got saved before he even hit the ground. When Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going home with you today. That Zacchaeus realized he was a sinner. He realized that he needed a savior. And he realized that the one that was at the foot of the tree, calling him down, saying, I'm going to go home with you, was the savior that worked. The Bible says in the book of John, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And as I, I believe that as Zacchaeus was climbing down that tree, he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and became part of the family of God. That was all because Jesus came looking for him. As Jesus sat in Zacchaeus' home, as they enjoyed dinner. Together, as Zacchaeus stood and made his confession, he said, "Hey, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times, and I'm going to give half of what I got left over uh, uh, to the uh, to, to to the poor, uh, to 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 feed the poor." Jesus used that occasion. He said, "Zacchaeus, I, I'm glad you got saved. I want everybody to understand why I've come. I want everybody to understand my mission." He said in verse 10, and we read it, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was a finder. He was not only a seeker, he was a finder. One day he was walking through Samaria, a place where the Jews usually avoided. A place where the Jews, when they had to pass through Samaria, they wouldn't pass through it, they would go around it. They didn't like the Samaritans. They hated them. They treated them and called them dogs. But Jesus was looking for somebody that day. He was looking for a woman that had had five husbands and was living with a man that was not her husband. He was looking for a woman that needed a drink from the well that never runs dry. And Jesus didn't pass around Samaria. He went right through it. He went right to the heart of Samaria because he was looking for a sinner that needed a drink from the well of living water. And he met that woman by the well. By her own testimony, Jesus told her everything she did, she got saved too. Not because she went looking for Jesus that day. She just went to the well to fill up her water pot. She just went to the well to get a drink of water. But what she found at the well was a Savior that was seeking and finding her and brought her to the knowledge of salvation in him. She went back and said, come see a man that told me everything i had done. Of course, now Jesus didn't do that, but it seemed like he did. And the town came out and he found a bunch of other people that received him as Christ as well. He found the disciples we read in the book of john chapter 1 the day following jesus would go forth into galilee and findeth philip and saith unto him follow me in matthew chapter 4 he found two sets of brothers james and john and peter and andrew follow me i'll make you fishers of men In Matthew chapter 9, he found another tax collector. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said, Sayeth unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Jesus was a finder. He was a finder. I want to tell you something. He found me. He found me. I, I was a teenager. I was a I was a church kid. I'd gone to church all my life, but I was still a sinner. I knew I needed to be saved. I I, I knew that the, the demands of the gospel were true. That I was a sinner. I had no hope apart from Christ. But I I, I, was, I was shy. I mean, as a kid, I, I didn't like to get in front. I did, I hated to get in front of people. I mean, I almost flunked speech class because I hated to be in front of people. I would I'd just get nervous, I would shake, I could I could not, sometimes i get that same way, you don't know it, I'm up here, my knees are knocking together, and I, that's when I stay by in the pulpit, but uh, Jesus came looking for me, he found me, he found Brother John, Brother John, you've been on my heart and mind the last couple of weeks, I know I've mentioned you the last couple of weeks, but you've been on my heart and mind. I could tell you Brother John's testimony because he told it to me and I've heard it over and over again. He tried a lot of different things the world had to offer, but they didn't satisfy. He didn't go looking for God. God came looking for him. One night, John got so discouraged about life in general. He called his brother. He called his brother Leonard and said, Leonard, I need God. God came looking for John and John found God and John got saved. And you know something? He ain't never got over it. I'm so glad he ain't never, I know that's not good English and I apologize to all the people that helped me with my English. But he ain't never got over it. I don't think we ought ever to get over getting saved. I don't think we ever ought to get over what Jesus did for us. He came looking for us. We didn't go looking for him. We don't, Man doesn't seek after God, the Bible says. God comes seeking man and God finds man and calls man to repentance. Jesus is a finder. Quickly, Number two, Jesus is a keeper. In John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What Jesus finds, he keeps He gives us eternal life. He gives us everlasting life. We will never perish. No man will be able to pluck us out of his hand. Nobody is stronger than God. Nobody is stronger than our Savior. And Jesus says, when we get saved, I wrap my hands around you, and then my Father wraps his hands around me, and there ain't no one. I'm sorry. When I get excited, my English goes to pot. But there ain't nobody, there ain't nobody that can get you out of the hand of God. We studied it Wednesday night when we were in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The Apostle Paul asked that question. Who has the power, who has the might to separate us from the love of God? Paul answered that question, nobody. Nobody and nothing. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Once Jesus Christ finds you, once you receive him, he keeps you forever and ever and ever. Number three, there may be some losers here today. Finders, Jesus is a finder. Keepers, he keeps us. Losers, there may be some losers here today. I'm not attacking anybody personally. I'm just saying you're a loser because... If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're in the process of losing some things. You haven't lost them yet. The fact that you're still here and hear the gospel and still have a chance to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior doesn't mean that you've lost them for good. But apart from Christ, you're in the process of losing some things. You are losing a relationship with God the Father. You are losing a relationship with somebody who loves you. Who wants to take care of you. Who has a plan for your life. Who who wants to watch over you. Now now God the Father is willing to do that to every person. And he wants to do that to every person. But apart from Christ, you are losing that relationship that God the Father wants to have with you. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are losing a relationship with Jesus. Uh, uh, He's my elder brother. I am going to be a joint heir with my elder brother, Jesus Christ. He is my friend. And apart from him, you don't have the same relationship that most of us have with him. Most of us this morning are saved. We're Christians. We've come to a point in our life where we realize that we're a sinner and there's a penalty for that sin. And Jesus paid the penalty. And one day, we did exactly what Zacchaeus said. We received him. We, t- we said, I- I- I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, please save me. And he did. And because of that, I have a personal relationship with the one who died for me. I have a personal relationship with the Son of God. If you've never received him, you're losing that. You haven't lost it for good yet, the fact that you're still alive, the fact that you can still heal the gospel, the fact that the Holy Spirit is still uh, tugging at your heart and speaking to your heart about your need to be saved. You haven't lost it for good yet, but you're in the process of losing it. You're in the process of losing the Holy Spirit, that part of God that when we get saved moves in, takes up residence, makes his home in our bodies, guides us, strengthens us encourages us, instructs us, helps us when we don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. And I could go on and on and on, and I could talk about the Holy Spirit for hours, about all the things that He does for us, but if you don't know Christ, you're losing that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Again, you haven't lost it yet. You still have hope, but you're in the process of losing it. You're in the process of losing Heaven. Listen, let me be very blunt for a minute. When you die, as Wolfgang did this week, when you take your last breath, when your heart beats for the last time, there's only one of two places that you're going. I mean, you just don't die and cease to exist. You just don't die and, and your ex- existence is over. When you die, you either go to heaven or you go to hell, there's nothing in between. There's there's just, again, there's only two destinations. There's heaven, the place that God is preparing for his children. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Or there's hell, that place that was created for Satan and his demons, that God, that God, that God, even though he doesn't want to, even though it breaks God's heart, he will send everybody that rejects Jesus Christ to that place called hell. You're in the process of losing heaven. You're in the process of gaining hell. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are headed to hell. Apart from Jesus Christ, you have no hope for heaven. Apart from Jesus Christ, your eternal destiny is in that place called hell. You are losing. You're not a loser this morning, but you're you're losing. You're losing the relationship with God. You're losing heaven. And you may not be doing it today, but one day... One day, it'll cause you to weep. Finders, keepers. Losers, weepers. If you die, having never received Jesus Christ, you will be cast into hell. And you know what the Bible says goes on in hell? There is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've often thought about it. Why do people weep in hell? Why do they weep? I think they weep when they remember what they could have had. I think they weep when they remember sitting in a service like this and somebody tried to explain to them the gospel. Somebody tried to tell them that they were a sinner. Somebody tried to tell them that they needed a savior. Somebody tried to tell them that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Somebody begged them, as I'm going to do in just a second, somebody begged them to come and receive Christ. Somebody told them that whatever stood in the way between them and Jesus wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. Whatever the world has in the way between you and Christ, it is not worth it. It it, it may seem pleasurable. Sin for a season seems pleasurable. When it's done, it leads to death. And that's what hell is. It's death. It's separation from God. It's being apart from him forever. The worst part about hell is not the fire. It's not the bottomless pit. It's not the worm that never dieth. The worst part about hell... Is that you're separated from your creator, God, forever and ever and ever and ever. And they're going to weep when they remember, I could have had heaven. I was there when the old preacher talked about the gospel. I was there when he begged me to come to Christ, and I rejected it over and over and over and over again. And when they realize there's no, they have no hope that they're going to spend eternity apart from God, there's going to be Weeping. Weeping. Jesus is a finder. If He hasn't got you yet, He's here looking for you. He's here. He's got the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear and in your heart this morning. Hey, the guy may not be saying it very clear and he might not be saying it very plain, but what he's saying is true. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to come and admit your sin. You need to come and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The fact that he's still doing that means you haven't lost it for good. But my dear friend, listen to me. God's spirit doesn't dwell with man forever. There comes a point where God says, I'm done. There comes a point where God says, okay, Holy Spirit, that's enough. He's rejected or she's rejected us over and over and over again. We're not going to call anymore. Every time I pray for lost people, I pray. Holy Spirit, please don't give up on them yet. Please don't quit calling them yet. Give them one more chance. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, that's my prayer for you. My prayer is the Holy Spirit has not given up on you yet. That God has not given up on you yet. That he's still calling you today. As he calls today, would you come to the one that will keep you forever and ever and ever would you come to jesus christ he is the way nobody comes to the father but by him let's pray together father thank you for your word thank you for the simplicity of the gospel and i do pray father if there's somebody here that doesn't know christ as their savior that you holy spirit you wouldn't give up on them that you would keep calling and you would keep begging them to come as i do this morning Come to the one who died for him. Come to the one whose death we pictured in the Lord's Supper this morning. Come to the one that could give him heaven. Come to the one that could give him eternal life. Please, Holy Spirit, help them to make that decision this morning. And then, Holy Spirit, I pray for Christians that are here, Christians that maybe have something in their life that they shouldn't have, Christians that are are missing something that should be in their life. I pray you speak to us. I pray we'd be obedient. If there's somebody here that needs to get baptized, maybe somebody here that you're leading to join the church, I pray, Father, in this time of decision, in this time of invitation, that they would be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's leading them to do. Just bless this time of invitation. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.